Welcome to Tech Writer Voices, a podcast specifically for technical writers. I'm Tom Johnson, and today we have a really different format for our show. We have a co-host, Heidi Hansen, and we're going to talk more conversationally about various topics in technical communication. We're on the web at www.techwritervoices.com, and we've also got links to both Heidi's blog and my blog there. Okay, here we go. Heidi, can you tell us a little bit about about yourself? Introduce yourself. You know, I realize I haven't actually introduced my own self on, on Tech Writer Voices, but let's start with uh, you. Yeah, I've noticed that too about yourself. Uh, my background is that I knew I wanted to be a technical communicator when I was a senior in high school because my English teacher told me that I should. And when I got to college, they had that major, technical communication major. And so I signed right up. And then I was active in my chapter at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio. And then I got my, I was president of the chapter my senior year. And we put on a little conference and was heavily involved. And I also attended the, I started attending the STC annual conferences in 1997, so while I was still in college, and then I attended every conference from 1997 to 2003, something like that, and, and my first job out of college was Chicago, and I helped participate in their competition. I was a judge there, and I went to various meetings, and I only lived there two years, and then I moved to Seattle, and I've been active in the Puget Sound chapter here in Seattle. So That's cool. I can't believe you went to the STC annual conference every year for like six years in a row. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, my advisor in undergraduate is was a big proponent of attending those, especially speaking at them and just uh, getting to know everyone at those, you know, the getting to know the good speakers and getting to know, just basically watch trends in the field. And so that was a great influence. That's cool. You know, it's it's kind of funny and this is embarrassing, but uh, I, I don't really know if I'm going to the STC conference this year. Our, our company kind of sends somebody at random every year. But my mom was listening to one of the previous podcasts on, uh, I don't know what, but she started reading about the STC and she she was like, Tom, are you going to that conference? And I was like, well, I don't I don't know. And she actually, she sent me a check to, to go. And I was like, well, this is great. I'm 31. My mom is shipping me off to uh, STC <laughs> camp. Anyway. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's so funny. Yeah, I attended the one in Seattle a couple of years ago, and then I didn't go to Las Vegas, and I'm probably not going to go to Minneapolis, even though I know I'd enjoy it a lot, especially seeing you. But I might actually, when you're in Vancouver, I might drive up to see you in Vancouver. Cool. You know, I'm actually flying into Seattle because uh, I grew up in Tacoma, and I've got a friend that I want to look up. So I'm really excited about that. So maybe I'll stop by and, and visit you somehow. That's yeah, well, I might come up just because then I could we could podcast from up there, and then I we could soak in all the uh, new things you're learning. That's right. That's right. That it's going to be a cool conference. I I think Scott Abel is. Uh oh, did we get cut off? No. Okay. Sorry. I think Scott Abel is an amazing organizer, and he's got some excellent topics. He's always on the edge or on the verge of of whatever's hot. Um, his the content wranglers. It's it's amazing how much content he puts out there, but anyway, let's get into some let's get into some um, topics. 
I know the focus of this is going to be more conversational and more uh, a miscellany of different topics. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is your your participation in the competitions, um, uh, the competition that you guys held about all of your your entries. You said you got 150 entries. Right. Yeah, we get a lot. Actually, before we get into that, we should probably say that your blog address is idratherbewriting.com and my blog address is heidielhansen.blogspot.com. And your blog is just excellent. It's just a must read. And mine, you know, I could do better with updating it. But anyway, back to the entries. We got 150, right. We get uh, consistently around 180, 150, 120, 100. We just get a lot every year. And how do we manage? I don't know. We just have, uh, we do a little bit of outsourcing. So we have an association agency that does a lot of our, they do our mailings and a little bit of data entry and they handle the money side. So when everybody sends in their checks, it goes through that association. But as far as actually handling the entries, right, it just takes volunteer hours. And really what it really boils down to what I found is that if you have three or four core people who are just in it because they enjoy it and don't mind giving up, you know, many hours on a weekend, it's, it really is just fine. You know, when somebody gets overwhelmed, then the other three just jump right in. And when you have a good core group, you can pretty much tackle anything. So, well, you know, I, I was uh, participating in our competition. We only received 47 entries, (laughs) but, but it was apparently like three times as many as we received the year before that. So we were really excited, but like they all came in and, and I started keeping them in our off in my office cube, right? So I had all 47 entries like boxed up in my office cube for about two month or a month or so, and uh, I was just like, we need a separate room or separate bedroom or closet or something to store all these things. It was it was quite a learning experience. It, it, it consumed. I'm not kidding. There must have been thousands of emails between our competition team. We had probably seven or eight people on it. Just the amount of coordination that goes on behind a simple competition, it, it blew me away. So Yeah, people would have no idea. The people who uh, submit and then show up at the banquet at the end of the year or the showcase, as the case may be, they just they just have no idea. But, you know, they they appreciate it. And a lot of ours come from Microsoft. I mean, there's no denying that. So, I mean, maybe if we didn't have Microsoft, we'd only have 50 also. So, <laughs> Microsoft is a huge part of it. But, you know, back to your uh, boxes and boxes, my dining my dining room is completely overtaken for about, you know, five months out of the year when we, because I store a lot of the entries in, in my dining room. And, and in years past, we've kind of uh, stored them at an, a, at an association. But really, when you when you need to sort and uh, you know assign them to judges, the dining room just works, you know. And then my cubicle also had three boxes, so I can totally relate to that, which is so funny. <laughs> well, that that's cool. Hey, you know, you mentioned that you have a lot of Microsoft people in your chapter. How many people in your chapter work at Microsoft? Uh, I don't actually know, and. Actually, the competition is Microsoft heavy, but our membership doesn't tend to be so Microsoft heavy. But 
I don't know the actual number, so I can't really speak to that. But I know that, uh, you know, we definitely do get involvement, but not not what I would consider overwhelming involvement. Well, one of the entries that you said you liked was a, a Microsoft manual of style for training public publications. And you said that you liked it because it had both... Uh, like a transcript of the video as well as as audio. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and unfortunately it's on the internet, so you can't really I can't really do it justice, you know, because it's not on the web and I can't do it justice with just, you know, snapping screenshots because, you know, it's their proprietary material, but it it's, it was just really interesting because you'd be reading down the pr- reading down the page, and it's almost like a YouTube video where you know click play here, and so you have this big rectangle with the video there. So that's one option, and then another option is to click read a transcript. So, which I think is great if you're pressed for time, just click that and off you go, or for accessibility reasons. But just the sheer number of ways you could come in and out. They had six modules and, you know, maybe I'll I'll try and blog about this so that I can go into more detail because it did win and distinguish and it was an excellent entry. But I just really liked how it had so many options and and almost a YouTube style, you know, just click here if you want to go that avenue or read a transcript if you want to go that avenue or, you know, just pop in and out of the six modules. Uh, So I'll try and try and do it justice so you know we in a future blog post we were talking about about um incorporating more video demos in our in our own documentation right now we just do kind of standard instructions where you have text and and we actually have a different training department that specializes in in these videos or the the screenshot um video demos but we've been trying we've been thinking about incorporating them more because like 70 percent of the people learn better through audiovisual kind of means rather than just reading straight text. Do you guys do a lot of um, video stuff in your own documentation? You know, so far we haven't done any, but other departments have. So we've had uh, our trainers have done a couple videos, and our one of our developers who is, you know, just whatever on the cutting edge and speaks very well, actually, he, he did a couple videos and he was obviously the subject matter expert and he just whipped it up and it was quite good so really I think it's whatever you know whoever has the initiative but it's really it's kind of like how journalists now are you know like Walt Mossberg on the Wall Street Journal he'll write a column and then he'll do a companion video for it and it's just funny to me that you know, in the past, journalists, all they did was write, and you never would have thought, my journalist needs to supply me with a video. And now that's what's happening out there, which I think is, you know, kind of where technical communication might go if your resources are lower. So, say, at Microsoft, the technical communicators don't need to create videos, probably, because their training department would do it. So, I think if you have fewer people, then yeah, you might tend to create a video, you know, if it's in your department or if your company doesn't care which department does it, they're just happy to have any content out there that helps users learn better, which I think is the main key in all of this. It kind of, you know, it'll depend on your company whether you are the one creating the video, but if you are, go to it, you know, it's just kind of the way, like the journalists, it's, it's going now. 
you know, we had a a, a presenter from from a local company come to to give us a demo on these show me demos is what they're calling them these little video screen demos yeah i've seen those yeah and okay this i'm not kidding when i say this all right the the person showed a two minute demo it looked really professional it looked great and then somebody asked how long did it take you to do that two minute demo and the guy said 150 hours and we're like (gasps) what 150 hours? And, and finally, he said, well, that involved learning the application, customizing the template, meeting with the team, to, you know, scripting out the storyboard, drafting and meeting and, and edits and doctoring screenshots. And we were like, no, because there's no way we can dedicate 150 hours to a two-minute right. video. And he finally backed down to about 75 hours on his estimate, which, which still in my opinion, which is way excessive. So I actually started experimenting with, with uh, just Captivate, making some some videos. And uh, Well, what was the video you just did about WordPress? What application did you use? You put that on your blog, I saw. Yeah, I, I've had a couple of people asking me about how they just get started with WordPress. And I've also just been toying with the idea of doing screencasts. So I was using this uh, screen recorder from Blueberry, it's called the Blueberry Flashback Express Recorder. It's their light version. I got it for twenty bucks. If you if you like donate something to Donation Coder, you get it for fifty. Yeah, I saw that. Anyway, but it actually works great. The only thing is, if you're gonna do like uh, little caption bubbles and things like that, and extensive interactive features, I don't. I think you'd have to move up to their advanced version. But personally, I think that instructions that just have a human voice to them and that's real and, and something that's not totally scripted, I think that's appealing more and more to users now. I agree. I think any video, any audio, even if it's not the most professional thing, it's kind of like, you know, you, you can settle for less than the maximum professionalism if it's just another channel or a compliment to your online help. I was going to comment, you mentioned... Um, moving into all these other mediums and how technical communicators should should be exploiting these mediums. You know, uh, David Pogue is a New York Times columnist that's pretty famous. He writes on technology, and, and now he podcasts his material too. And I had never actually... Uh, I didn't read him regularly in the New York Times, but I, I listen to his podcast every time that it comes out, and I, I think it's fascinating. Um, he just reads it, but he reads it in a way that's that's understandable and that's his unique voice i agree i think that if somebody supplied me with that or if i just basically if i was a user and i was just going browsing a website and the website gave me options of oh download the online help oh yeah i think i'd like to do that or download an mp3 of some features that they want to talk about oh i think i might be interested in that too and video same thing and what we do at our company is you can you know, if you want to do something, just use Camtasia and go to it and make it a compliment. And I was thinking of doing a video of some a uh, couple of features lately. So I might, I just might, you know. And it's one of those things where the text definitely comes first because that's definitely mandatory and definitely what I have time for. And then if I can give the user other channels, these other options you know, to enhance their user experience. Yes, I'm all for it, you know. One of the options that I'm really interested in is is using wikis to, to write documentation. I, I have never done this in a, in a project setting where, where you have a wiki and everybody contributes. And 
and even the users maybe contribute too. Um, but have have you played around with wikis much? I haven't, but you know, I th- I have found your blog posts about wikis to be very provocative, and and so I I kind of want to. I mean, I don't want to take a back seat, but you know, for a while since it's on the cutting edge, I do kind of want to see where you go with it because you have written some really interesting thoughts about that. And you know, uh, there's the new book out and by Char James Tanny and. You know, I was reading uh, her blog, HelpStuff.com, and she was talking about her new book about wikis. And, yeah, I think this is definitely a really interesting emerging uh, technology. Yeah, I want to read her book, too. I I know she's like an expert on this stuff. You know, I just have to say, Shara is a cool person because she seems very aware of both the blogosphere and all the listservs in a way that's that's amazing. If you post something on a listserv or on your blog, she she is aware of it, and it's. I think that's pretty. That's pretty cool because she's also the secretary of the SDC. So I mean, that's that's great that she's so in tune. Um, but back to th- actually speaking. Uh, speaking of cutting edge technology, your uh, I want to mention that I think I think she just had an article in Intercom. And there's also, there have been a couple of other really good articles in Intercom. In the January 07 issue, there was a How to Speak XML, which I thought that was a really good article. And your article about podcasting, I I was, I mean, not that I'm surprised that you write well, because, but to me, you know, you're a voice. And when I saw, you know, something formal, written formal, you know, formally by you, I was quite impressed. So people should definitely check check that article out. I also like the, there was a good column about uh, an adult learner who went back and got her master's in education. So that that column was pretty interesting, too, at the bottom of the January 07 uh, screen, if you read it online. Hey, uh, you mentioned, it's funny what you said, that you you think of me more as a voice than a writer. (laughs) Because I I actually, I mean, I come more from a writing background than any voice. I'm certain, I don't consider or see myself in any way as having any kind of radio voice at all like i'm the i i really was asking other people to start a podcast for like weeks and nobody really wanted to do it but uh no i i actually um i went to school for uh columbia for like nonfiction writing for a couple of years and you know racked up a huge debt and then left <laughs> but uh actually you know what's most inter- interesting about you is the fact that you were spent some spent some time in egypt i think that you need to do a podcast just about that that's so interesting yeah e- egypt is fascinating i mean it, it yeah i'll have to get into that sometime but. actually your whole journey since high school is interesting <laughs> really you know, and I find that that's the case with a lot of technical communicators. Is that they come from they come to it from other avenues, and when they finally find it, they're just like you. They're just tickled by the technology. And for me, you know, since I've been channeled this way since high school, since I was seventeen, it's always interesting to hear people who meander into the field versus me, who's you know been there since. For a while. <laughs> well, that's cool that you majored in technical communication. I think that's 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 really good. I mean, you you've discovered a good direction early on, and you had some good advice from your high school teacher, right? Your English teacher, or something to 
to uh right and and good advisor in when I went to freshman orientation too it was uh, actually a student athlete advisor and she just I said I want to major in technical writing and I I couldn't find it under T in the you know back in the day you you actually had paper you know a paper catalog to look for your major and she found oh I think you want S scientific and technical communication and I went oh yeah you're right but I think definitely everybody or not everybody but most people uh don't start out as kids thinking, oh, I want to be a technical writer, right? I sometimes joke. Yeah, I read your blog post today. That was so funny how you how you have that childhood, you know, your, you know, your your childlike eyes with, oh, technology is so interesting and it changes all the time. And, and that's exactly the reason why people enjoy this field. And so then when you were talking about, oh, it's so dull, it's so dull, well... For a lot of us, that's absolutely not dull, the fact that we get to play with technology and betas all day. Yeah, that, that's definitely what I find the most fascinating, which is why I get interested in, in the wiki idea and, and exploring these other mediums, because I think that that's what makes writing fun. If you just stuck to like a one, one single tool, one method of writing and never changed, it would be quite dull. Anyway, uh, what else do you want to talk about today, Heidi? Or uh, let's see, 60 minutes real fast. We should mention that Don Norman was on there and it's called there's a it's on Yahoo. You can search for Get Me the Geek 60 minutes. Uh or I think I might have put a link up there too, but and then you raise the issue, well, what does people need? Do they need long manuals and absolutely not, but you know what I was thinking through that whole uh segment when on 60 minutes was they need to make the HD TV uh, manuals very similar to how when you would get a a personal computer and everything would be color coded and you, you would just whip out a poster and it's so it's not about long manuals at all it's about the user experience out of the box which is what I think a lot of PC makers finally got where you would you know get your get the PC home and you would just take it out of the box and you would just color code the wires and look at the poster and you were done. But that's not how the TVs have done it. These, you know, plasmas and LCDs, they haven't done that yet. And so I think that Don Norman would probably advocate for going the route of PCs. You know, on the topic of the whole long manual, uh, short one page foldout out ma- uh, version. I I constantly think that I'm struggling between writing a complete sort of set of documentation for all the features or functions uh, of an application versus writing something that users actually want. People always come to me afterwards and say, "Well, do you have a two-page version of this 60-page how-to guide or something?" Do you do you get that question a lot? Do people want the one-page version of your of your manual? I don't, but we have so much of our stuff on on the screen, and so ours is already into a, a finite topic. So, you know, for for you, it's probably more of a thing because you have a lot of printed material. No, the the way that you're describing is definitely the the method to go that that deliver it by chunks on the screen they need, and that's we do that with some some things. Well, cool. Um, one other thing I wanted to hit. And then I think we should we should close. Is you mentioned NetVibes briefly, but this is a 
this is a neat little site that I think a lot of people would benefit from who who like to track blogs or other other things. Do you use NetVibes or what do you use to read blogs? I don't. I read I use FeedReader, but yeah, I looked well actually I watched Walt Mossberg's uh the Wall Street Journal columnist. I watched his video about NetVibes and I just had to put the link on my blog just because the video was so interesting. And I don't know if you can get his videos. I know when when they're in the free today section on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, you'll see his a link to one of his videos, and then you can display that, and then his past videos will be in there. So you might be able to get it to it at some point. But yeah, I just thought the video was neat. Just the way you can completely personalize it, and yet, uh, you know go with it. But no, I I don't really I get behind on feeds and I don't really mind that I get behind. So I probably would use NetVibes at some point, but I right now I'm a little busy, but after, you know, if I would explore it for a bit, I'm sure I would find it that I like it a lot more than, you know, feed reader, but I yeah, it looks really interesting and I just I just Hello? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we lost you there for a minute. Actually, you know what? Uh, that was one of the uh, problems with this mic is that it was. It said, oh, it's too easy to mute. <laughs> and so this is a total usability issue because cause when I read the reviews, I'm like, oh, I won't have any problems with that. <laughs> and then I do. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. Well, I actually use Feed Demon to read read blogs and NewsGator. I, I don't use NetVibes, but I heard uh, Holly Harkness recommend it. She's the Atlanta STC president, and I checked it out. I thought it was cool. Anyway, well, hey, Holly. Or, actually, no, before we wrap yeah. up, <laughs> I wanted to tell you um, that I was reading a good book. And, and actually, for the next time we record, we should talk about your experience is using Word 2007 because you're already using it and I think a, a lot of us ha- aren't using it yet and I think that you know getting your take on it would be really interesting but I was if so if you want a sneak preview about w- the logic about why they did what they did you can pick up a book called First Look 2007 Office by Catherine Murray Murray M-U-R-R-A-Y and and it's kind of interesting because they tell you why the tabs are in the order that they are in the ribbon. So I thought that that would be... I, I started reading it and I really enjoy it. So. You, you know, actually, we haven't started totally using it. We, we've been uh, kind of inching our way into it and we've had, we've had a lot of demos on it. And I'm actually working more with SharePoint 2007 right now. But, but I, I think it is fascinating how they did it. They d- actually decreased the number of of features in Word. Am I right? And and also included lots of cool Ajax stuff that makes it possible to see things without actually changing them. And Yeah, we'll definitely do something on that. It was actually the, the hottest topic when I surveyed our chapter on the topics they, wanna, they want to uh, um, hear about. It was the, maj- the majority of people want to hear about how Office 2007 and uh, Vista impact technical writers. So... Uh, we have a Microsoft guy out here who's going to present on that, and we'll definitely record him too, as well as do do a co-host podcast on it. Yeah, I think it definitely will affect us. 
but I also think it's an interesting study in interface design, which also affects us because often as technical communicators, we can comment on the interface at an early stage and thus have an influence. So it's, it's actually interesting on a couple of realms, you know? Definitely. All right, so so this wraps it up. We're going to keep these short, under under a half hour at least, and uh, and next time we're going to be hitting some other topics. Again, you can check out our blogs, and I'm going to put a link to Heidi's blog on Tech Writer Voices in in the the main button area, so you can find it more more easily there. And uh, definitely subscribe to this podcast or or share it with others. You know we have. We have 340 listeners or subscribers apparently to the podcast now, so it's it's growing, and that's good. <laughs>